This is the Intoxicated Podcast. Hey, Jason. Hey, what's up, Matt? Not much. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. Here we are recording another Untoxicated Podcast episode. Yeah, here we are. I'm excited because we were just talking about the topic, and this is a very rich, potentially, I don't know, maybe we'll uncover some past pain, perhaps. Yeah, I feel like we've had a series of really, really great guests mm-hmm. that have shed a lot of light on a lot of things, and I've really enjoyed that. But I, I felt like, and I, I think you agree, it's it's time for us to, you know, we, we've been through this too, not just mm-hmm. the experts that are coming yeah. in to talk to us, but we've been through addiction and, um, and are in the middle of recovery. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought maybe it was time for us to talk about our stories a little bit more. And I, I'm glad that you're eager to talk about this too. Specifically today, the topic is to talk about our our relationships, our marriages, and how addiction and then the recovery process has um, played out in our marriages. Mm -hmm. We're both lucky enough to both be married and Mm -hmm. still be married and be happily married. Mm -hmm. And whether it be like Saman, who was on a previous podcast episode, or or Melissa, who came in and talked about mm-hmm. the difficulty in relationships, that's not always the case. When when people give up their addiction and go into recovery, the relationship faces really difficult challenges before it even even thinks about beginning to get better. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I thought maybe we could share a little bit about our stories. Yeah, no, that sounds great, um, Matt. We were just talking now about you and your relationship with your wife, Sherry. And you said some pretty interesting things. I don't know, would you like to kind of give a synopsis, you know, if, if, if you want, on where you and Sherry at, um, how you guys are doing with you being in recovery? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that that's interesting about when I was, so my addiction was alcoholism. One of the things that's interesting about when I was in the throes of addiction, I was, I was drinking regularly. We argued a fair bit. I thought it was normal. I thought, you know, all couples argue and this is a normal amount of arguing. Sherry had her doubts. She felt like we argued too much, but it it wasn't every day. It wasn't even every week. And sometimes we could have reasonable level-headed arguments Sometimes we had ragers that would go on through the night. But I just thought that was part of being married and you don't always see eye to eye. And I think certainly I looking back now, I know alcohol was 90% of the arguments. I know 10% was other factors. Certainly mm-hmm. early on, lack of maturity when we were in our early 20s. Sherry's got a pretty serious temper that she acknowledges. This isn't me making mm-hmm. fun of my wife here. Yeah, yeah. And so that's... That was a factor. But I think, looking back, I think 90% of the problem was mm-hmm. alcohol. And even the parts of the problem that weren't alcohol, removing alcohol allowed us to roll up our sleeves and address uh, the things like her temper or our yeah, yeah. 
or our need for maturity and understanding and listening to each other that when alcohol was in the picture we just we never we never got down to addressing those things mm-hmm. so like I, like I'll give you I'll give you an example sometimes we would argue and Sherry would take the blame for the argument and it mm-hmm. wasn't always me blaming her sometimes it was her blaming her in the mm-hmm. aftermath the next day looking back um, and like I said her temper was one of the one of the things that we would point to and say oh you know you you flew off the handle that's why we had this this bitter argument sometimes it was it was her attitude and her behavior with regard to alcohol because over the course of time when we were in we weren't in high school together but when we met in college we had both come through similar high school experiences experimenting with alcohol and then in college we both drank heavily i mean she was right there with me and then as we got out of college, still lots of partying, but then eventually as we got married and then started having kids, she took what I guess can only be described as a normal path and her drinking matured. It would it decreased dramatically. It was just a kind of weekend or, or if we were out with friends kind of a thing, whereas for me it remained an everyday thing. So her attitude toward drinking changed and through the the lens of recovery i can see now she um developed a mature normal relationship with alcohol whereas i i never matured i just Mm -hmm. stayed i stayed 20 years old my you know until two years ago Mm -hmm. so a lot of our arguments were blamed on her attitude toward alcohol she would say oh you know you you drank too much last weekend she'd be upset about it and i'd be like i didn't drink too much you you just have stopped participating in in a activity that was normal for us Mm -hmm. i'm not the weird one i'm not Mm -hmm. the one that changed i i'm the same so a lot of our arguments um were really blamed on on her attitude toward alcohol Mm -hmm. and and again sometimes it would be me blaming her sometimes it would be her Mm -hmm. in hindsight she would say you know you didn't do anything different than you normally would you didn't do anything Mm -hmm. different than we used to do together um (laughs) i just i don't know what it is but i just hate alcohol now Mm -hmm. So she started to develop this hatred toward alcohol and, and drinking because of, you know, I, I, it was like her intuition was better than mine. It was like mm-hmm. she knew I was in trouble before mm-hmm. I knew I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And it started to disgust her. Yeah, because it didn't disgust she, me. she hated alcohol because of what it was doing to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the, you know, the side effects that she had to deal with too. Um, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd go to... A neighborhood party and we'd say you know the invitation would say it's from 7 to 10 and you know 11 30 me and a couple of the guys that were there would still be mm. you know on the back porch drinking beer because the cooler wasn't empty and she'd be mm. like let's go the party yeah. ended officially an hour and a half ago yeah uh everyone else is gone except for you three chuckleheads mm. let's go and i'd be like you know come on there's still beer in the cooler come out here with us and that wasn't cute anymore. Like mm. she hated that. I mean, hated mm-hmm. it. So that's the kind of thing that would cause an, a, an argument. And half the time we'd look back and say, oh, well, that argument wasn't Matt's fault for drinking. That ar- that argument was because you're not loose anymore. You're not fun anymore. Mm. You, you've changed your attitude. So I think that's one of the really just, you know, most insidious parts about addiction, mm. especially alcohol addiction, because alcohol is yeah. so prevalent in our society and so accepted and loved yeah, by all yeah. Yeah. that if someone's drinking heavily and there's 
one or two other guys drinking heavily with them. There's no problem there. That's not yeah. a... What are you talking about? It's Saturday night. Yeah. We don't have to get up early tomorrow. We're within walking distance of the house. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Yeah. So how do you think someone would know? I mean, like, for example, was it like Sherry's intuition? You know, because it sounds like she was starting to question herself. Wow, is this my relationship with alcohol that I view Matt? Like, do I have a puritanical view of alcohol that I now think Matt it has an issue? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. Um, I think she knew. Okay. I think she knew. But she denied that. She, okay. she, she would have moments where she would deny that. There were times when she would say, oh... No, that argument wasn't your fault. It's just, I just hate alcohol now, and it's my fault. I hate alcohol because my father was an alcoholic. Yeah. I hate alcohol because it ripped my parents' marriage apart. Uh, um, as we get older, I I think about that more. So she, she, would, she would pull some of the blame onto herself, or yeah. I would certainly distribute some of the blame to her and say, Hey, yeah. it was Saturday night. Who freaking cares how many beers I had? What's wrong with you? I worked hard all week. Yeah. Leave me alone. I would yeah. do some of that too. So I definitely, I'm not innocent. But I think deep down she knew. Yeah. She knew way before I did that this okay. was unhealthy. Yeah. And that um, the amount I was drinking was causing me problems and it was causing our relationship problems. And it wasn't just a, I like that word, puritanical. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that she was suddenly anti-alcohol. It was, yeah. there was something that I needed to address. And I... You know, they say alcoholism and addiction is a disease of denial and that the whole family denies it. Sometimes she got sucked into that. She denied uh, the problem too and said, yeah, you know what, you're right. Bill and Joe were there with you right. and they're still married and their kids look yeah, healthy. Yeah, so sure. maybe I'm the one that's crazy. Yeah. But, but deep down, you know, because she would keep coming back to this isn't uh, okay. This is not, you know, drinking every night is not okay. This is not doing you good. Yeah, so she, in a way, she stuck to her guns. Yeah, yeah, even though her guns changed, right? Yeah. I mean, when we were 20, yeah, her guns were, let's drink and party and go nuts. But when we were 30, she had evolved, and yeah. even though she would have moments where she'd let me win the fight, or she'd let me, in the recap of the fight, say, yeah, you're right, I was too hard on you, you're fine, she knew. Yeah, she but knew. so, like, even from a couple's perspective she would let you win the fight, but if there is any resentment that she has towards your drinking, you may win, but eventually, since she still has resentment, you're eventually going to lose. Yeah. So would you say that you, Sherry, being, I don't know, and correct me if I'm going too far, being upset with your drinking, that is a reason why you got sober? Like a reason. I don't want to say like the reason. No. Okay. I. Uh- I would like to say that. That would make me sound like a nice husband. But that is not the truth. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I've, ha- I've you know, had years now, yeah. and I, I write about addiction, so I spend a lot of time thinking mm-hmm. about this stuff. I think there are two reasons that I eventually got sober. One of them was, as you've told me, we people only change when mm-hmm. the pain gets gets overwhelming to the point where they can't stand the pain anymore. And I would like to say that the pain that I inflicted on my wife was so much that I could see her pain and I wanted to fix that. That would be, mm-hmm. that would be wonderful. That's not the case. Yeah. My personal um, can't-get-out-of-bed depression yeah. and um, 
self-loathing and shame and whatever other adjectives you want to use got so bad that I had to fix it. Mm. That's one. I think the only other factor is more timing than it is the actual ability to quit drinking. And it was as my kids got older and they started to pick up on things more, that started to put me into panic mode. Mm. Like my, I can remember... I used to have a kegerator, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was awesome, man. I'd go once once a month, and it was a it was it took me more than a month, maybe five weeks to mm-hmm. drain a full keg, which I can't even remember how much is in that now. But it, it's a half barrel; it's not one of those little okay. torpedo things. It was a mm-hmm. keg, like yeah. you'd have at a bar. Yeah, it'd take me like five weeks to drain it. Okay, and I can remember when I one of the many times that I unsuccessfully tried to quit drinking. I sold it. I put it up on, I don't know, probably Craigslist and I unplugged it and I took the keg out. I had drained the keg into the sink. I, I drained probably three or four kegs into the sink mm. over the years because I would, I would get so fed up with myself and I got to quit. Mm. Um, and that's quite a process to drain half a keg into the sink. That takes yeah. forever. Um, but I had done that and my daughter had friends over. I don't remember. She was elementary school, but I can't remember what age. And as I'm draining and there was some frost, I'm defrosting it and wiping it down and getting it cleaned up to sell. She was in the room and kind of watching. She didn't ask a question. She didn't think anything of it. Her and her friends continued to play. And honestly, when I started drinking again, when I relapsed from that time of quitting, the fact that she didn't even know what I was doing or care entered into my relapse because I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, my kids aren't old enough for this to be affecting them. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. Later yeah. on, when I when I officially did quit, when I got over the hump, my daughter's age and my oldest son's age did play a factor because I was mm. like, I'm starting to affect them. They're starting to know when I'm moping around the house or when Sunday night I'm a grump. Yeah, They're starting to know that that's not normal and that uh, that's not the way mom acts. Yeah. So what's up? So, so my pain... Is the reason I quit the reason I quit when I did is probably the age of my kids okay. but it, it had nothing to do with my wife's pain which was mm-hmm. tremendous yeah well what about okay nothing to do with your wife's pain what about pain you received from your wife in terms of her being upset with you or am I trying to spin things no I okay. mean that's that's part of it I mm-hmm. would I had self-loathing I had depression mm-hmm. but I also you know my my relationship was crap so Mm. i had um i didn't have a lot of uh warm and fuzzies for my wife there wasn't a lot of affection that was affectionate from her side of it Mm -hmm. um i would always want to hug and um i would always be like hey you know sorry sorry i drank too much this weekend but uh you know we're good right you know Uh and she'd be like yeah we're fine but it just wasn't wasn't right i got you at the time did you equate her lack of affection to your drinking? It depends. Sometimes, okay. sometimes yes. Sometimes yeah. I would say, oh, my God, I overdid it again. It's my fault. We stayed at that party too late. Whatever. But other times I'd be like, God, when did she turn into such a curmudgeon? Mm. When did my wife, who used to party, stop? Gotcha. When, when did her attitude change? When did, you know, I'm just like the other guys. Like, wh- why... She sees how hard I work. Why can't she get off my back? When I, when, I, when I say that addiction is a disease of denial, I think it's important for people that aren't haven't gone through it to understand you're not denying it. You're not lying because you're an asshole. 
you're you don't know what's going on yourself and you're covering stuff up because you're just trying to be a normal person yeah and if i say my wife is a bitch now because i drink too much that's not comprehensible to me if i say you know she's changed and i haven't and we've diverged and that's why she treats me this way that's comprehensible. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it blinds you from the consequences of your actions. If yeah. you're in active addiction, you are unaware, oftentimes, of the consequences of the pain you're causing other people. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you experience anything like that in your marriage? Like, how you know what 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 was going on there? What does Jess think? What did Jess think when you were? Like, did she worry about you? Like, like yeah, what was going yeah. on? Yeah, well, you know, this came out when I got sober. I remember Jess was saying something. She told me, you know, I'm so glad you're not drinking now. Because when you go out to the bar, I don't have to worry about you. Yeah. And right there, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, that like really hit home. Because again, like I was unaware of it. You're doing your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Things are going to fall into place, right? I don't care about the consequences or like I, I I am unaware of the effect this is having on Jess. Me coming home, driving home from Colorado Springs and I drove the whole way and I come inside tipsy. It's like, oh, whatever, babe, it's fine. I got this. Yeah. You know, I am unaware of how much that bothers her. So did she get angry when that happened? Yeah, she was, she was like, dude, you drove home like this? Yeah. Right? She was upset, you know, but again, I was like, you, you brush it aside. Oh, whatever. Because you're justifying, like you said. Yeah. You spend a lot of time justifying, oh, whatever, she's just, you know, like, I'm actually a good drunk driver. Yeah, yeah, I'm better at this than other people. <laughs> you know, because you're like in there justifying, you are unaware of the consequences of your actions. Yeah. And, um, some of that too was even my my previous marriage i've talked about this on the podcast was pornography yeah and using that i was in denial of how it was affecting my my ex-wife you know just this me using it in a way i the very use of pornography i'm turning away from my partner Uh uh-huh and i'm turning towards something so was she did she feel like Take it like she's taking second place. It's almost, I mean, tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but she felt like you were cheating on her, didn't she? In a way. You yeah. know, I'll tell you a true story, and I don't know if my ex will ever listen to this, but three days after me and my ex-wife were married, I was, we were getting ready to go on our honeymoon, and I was in college at the time, so I was typing a report. And I was typing, and my mind was like, hmm... You know what would be cool right now if I checked out some porn? Yeah. And I was on there checking out some porn. I wasn't like openly masturbating or anything. I was just checking it out. And my wife comes in. She's like, hey, how are you doing on the on your report? Turns around, looks at my computer. And she was like, dude, WTF. And we just got married. And you're, you're looking at porn. And you're like getting ready. As soon as you get the report done, you're going on your honeymoon. Yeah. And wow. that threw us into a tailspin. I actually... She was so mad that I slept somewhere else three days after our wedding. Wow. <laughs> and I'm sort of thinking, man, she overreacted, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's you exactly know? how the mind works, right? <laughs> if, if, if it was her, like, this is her issue. Yeah. 
you know? And then, so that was a big, you know, kind of like traumatic rift. You know, we, we just got married and that we, we didn't start out very good. And obviously that's why we ended up divorced. I heard Chris Rock the other day say, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's come out and he's very vocal about his pornography yeah. addiction. And he said, you know, he's doing a, a, a gig. He's mm-hmm. got an audience. And he says, I used to be addicted to porn. And the audience is just silent. And he says, yeah, $2 billion industry and it's just me, right? <laughs> so, but I'm sure to some extent that's how you yeah. felt, right? Like, yeah. like, come on, babe, give me a break. Like, yeah. I'm a guy and this is normal. And don't tell me it's not normal because mm-hmm. it's a $2 billion industry. Yeah. So there's a lot of people sure. watching this stuff. Just like, just like alcohol. Absolutely. Just like I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. me and Joe and Bill or whoever are on the back porch finishing off this cooler don't act like mm-hmm. I'm the weird one. Yeah, they're totally. here with me. Totally, exactly. You know, and and I, because this is such a a powerful issue for me was the the pornography. I got myself into a men's support group around pornography. Freaking awesome group. But I remember hearing in the group the the facilitator said something like, "God, I can't remember the stat. I think it was like forty percent of." Divorces. I, I I don't know. I I had no idea what the percentage. It was a high percentage. Yeah. Were were because a, a reason was pornography. Really. Yeah. Maybe that's something that can look up. <laughs> yeah. But um. That's interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is interesting. It's one of those things that. Oh yeah. Hey, so and so does it. But just like anything else, if you are turning towards that, if you are preoccupied with that, and you're not turning towards your spouse it's going to cause issues and yeah. also an issue with pornography too it it desensitizes you yeah i don't think it makes you a good lover yeah yeah and you're not so, you're not picking up a bunch of moves that you uh bring into the bedroom you're yeah you well you're seeing unrealistic sex yeah <laughs> right <laughs> i mean these are like quote unquote actors yeah right so i just think it like it just it's not good. It's not a good thing. I mean, I can, if, if you argue, hey, we use it to enhance our marriage, cool. That's mutual. Yeah. Right? But it's a lot different as one person is siloed using it for hours when the other person is not. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, anyway, like um, in my, my current marriage, I remember one time, and this is back to the alcohol, one time we were at Union, Union Station, downtown Denver. And it was the holidays, and she was asking, like, and I just recently stopped drinking for good. And she was like, hey, how is that going for you? I was like, you know, babe, this is good, because maybe a year ago, I would already be three drinks in. Right? <laughs> right? Right. And, you know, she just appreciated that. I've yet to hear, gosh, I really wish you would drink more. Yeah. Maybe if your partner was an alcoholic, too. Yeah. I don't know, throwing things out there. Yeah. Jess's father was a heavy drinker, is a heavy drinker too, right? Yes. Do you think, like what factor do you think that plays into your relationship and how she views you then and now that you don't drink or use or do, you know, you yeah. fight your addictions? Well, we were talking about that. Partners like my wife, you know, people find are drawn to, just a theory, we're drawn to our partners based on familiarity. Mm. I am also an addict. I'm very much like her dad. That's why we get along so well. Yeah. You and her dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and her dad. And um, hey, this is this is familiar to me. And so she's drawn to me. Or another way of looking at it too, subconsciously trying to work through issues that she has had with her dad through me. Yeah. 
So that is one theory, and I don't deny it. There's something to that. Well, it's it's so frequent, right? I mean, yeah. you're a relationship therapist, so yeah. you, you see it more often than I do, mm-hmm. for sure. But but there's so many people who it's the it's so um, it's the opposite of what you'd think, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm a, if I as a child experience alcoholism mm-hmm. in the in the house, then I'm going to do everything I can to to keep alcohol away from my life and my adulthood. But it's the opposite for mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. People who've dealt with alcoholism. Um, often end up with a spouse that's an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and I think the other, the other factor besides what you said, familiarity and, and you know, kind of trying to want to fix. I couldn't fix my dad, mm-hmm. so I'm going to fix Jason. Mm-hmm. I think the other factor is people who have experienced alcoholism growing up put up with more shit than people who haven't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so a person who who hasn't been through that will look at me and say, Matt, what's wrong with you? I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot quicker than someone who has been mm-hmm. through it. Yeah, for sure. Which is yeah, kind of bizarre. But I, I want to talk about the benefits to being sober in a relationship. And I want to hear from you too as well, Matt. From my perspective, the benefits, A, of just knowing that my wife is not worrying about me. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's huge right there. That's like a huge burden lifted off of her. Yeah. But also just my overall availability and my motivation to want to make the relationship good that I attribute to not being in active addiction yeah like I am not turning towards something like I've already said that takes my attention away from the relationship if I'm having a resentment within a relationship instead of going to watch porn or instead of drinking I'm going to bring it up with her Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) crazy concept right dealing with your emotions dealing with my emotions and um it's just honesty too, and, I, and I'm not blinded by the negative consequences of my actions. Does that make sense? I, I it think, does. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that even in regards to drinking, but also globally as well, I feel like if someone is an active addiction, they're very selfish. They yeah. can only think about themselves. And just the very act of being sober, oh wow. Well, it takes, it takes an inordinate amount of effort to, especially if you're in a high-functioning addiction, mm-hmm. to hold it all together, to hold your marriage <laughs> together, to hold your finances together, to show up for work and not get fired, mm-hmm. to be productive at work. All of these things take so much energy mm-hmm. when you're dealing with an addiction. And when you get the addiction behind you, you can take that energy and use it on productive things like mm-hmm. making your marriage better Yeah, for just for one, for an example. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one of the things that was interesting for Sherry and I, when I quit drinking, part of the problem for us is I had had so many quits and relapses. Mm. I had had, I've written about that there were six. I don't mm. know. There might have yeah. been ten. I, I can't, I don't really know. But there have been lots of times when I said, that's it, I'm done, mm-hmm. not drinking anymore. And then eventually I would start again. Sometimes, you know, the longest I went was nine months sober. I went six months a couple of times. So when you, as the as the alcoholic that's giving it up or going through that process, everything is moving forward. You are positive that you're going to quit. You have the best possible attitude about it. All the work that you're doing is toward not ever drinking again. But your spouse mm-hmm. is super hesitant and mm-hmm. super, um, yeah. they just don't believe you. Mm-hmm. And it's not... I mean, the skepticism that Sherry had, it's not her fault. I don't blame her. I had relapsed so many different times. Mm-hmm. 
But it takes a long time for yeah. her to really be like, oh, I think he's actually going to do it this time. So that what that did for us is that made the relationship a challenge well mm. into my recovery. You know, I'd want to start to take some of that energy that I used to use to cover up my drinking yeah. and to try not to drink too much and to do all the things that an active alcoholic does. And I wanted to use that energy to to make our our marriage better. And she was, you know, I was at arm's length for her for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, why would I exert that energy when you're just going to start again? You're going to, in yeah. two months, you're going to tell me, oh, I've got a different plan this time. I'm only going to drink, you know, on the weekends and I'm not going to drink hard alcohol anymore and it'll be fine. I read about, you know, moderation and everything's going to be great. So why on earth would she invest in the marriage when she's just anticipating that I'm going to drink again? And so that made recovery really, really hard. Yeah. I mean, she's got to recover too. She's got a lot of baggage she's got to deal with. Sure. But she's not even willing to start when I'm trying to start because she's afraid we're just going to go right back where we were. Mm -hmm. And she's right, too. Like, I don't want this to come across like I'm like, oh, Sherry delayed our recovery. Yeah, yeah. Why on earth would she start to recover if she just knows in her heart that I'm going to be like, oh, um, you know, summer's here. Uh, I've thought about this. I having a beer out on the porch after work on a summer night is just it's too important to me mm-hmm. and I'm going to figure out a way to make it work this time mm-hmm. why Why on earth would yeah. she trust me yeah because she has self esteem Yeah, <laughs> and she's been there before too yeah right? been there before so it's almost like a recovering from an infidelity I mean I hate to I'm not trying to like you know definitely equate them but in a way it's, it's a it was a betrayal well, that's degree. exactly right. When you said yeah. I'm not trying to equate them, yeah. why not? Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, they're not exactly the same, but yeah. But it's trust. That's yeah. That's all about trust, right? Infidelity is all about trust. Yeah, for sure. And so is my wife not believing me that I'm not yeah. going to drink anymore. Exactly. And so she would almost be foolish just to say, Hey, come here, Matt. Everything's good. Yeah. You know, like, um, I'm, I'm all in. You know, I completely trust you. Absolutely. You know, there's a, an analogy, and Stan Tatkin says this. He talks about after a infidelity or, you know, breach in trust, the person who, the, who did it is going to be have to be in the doghouse, but the hero at the same time. You know, or you can look at it. The hero. Yeah, yeah. You're the villain and also the hero. The hero is you have to prove to her that you are worthy of trust. That the hero that she is not going to be foolish by putting herself back into this relationship. That you are recovering, i.e. the hero. Okay, we can start to build trust again. But isn't, so building trust, isn't that just a factor of time? Time, yeah. And, mean, a, like, and a shitload of time too, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, shitload. We can say, the, the, I've heard different numbers for um, infidelity. I've heard one is, after an infidelity, it will take two to five years hmm. to recover. It doesn't mean you have to be in therapy the whole time. That's what Terry Real says. Another is, you take about a year. It's going to take a year, you know, for you to reorient your reality. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this takes time. But again, you'll benefit because Sherry does have self-confidence. Sherry does yeah. have self-esteem. 
and she's just not going to say, hey, everything's back to normal. You're benefit because you are going to have to be that person in recovery, that person who conveys that you are worthy to trust. So, and again, in the end, you'll, you'll both benefit. So, in the, so what you're saying is if she had just rolled over when yeah. I said I was quitting and said, okay, great. Yeah. Everything's rosy now. Yeah. Then in the long run, she's exactly. not as strong a person or as self-sufficient of a person. And mm-hmm. so even though it took forever for her to come around, um, that's beneficial for me. Yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit you. That's interesting. It's yeah. true. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, it's been worth it. It's been worth the wait. Everything, we're talking specifically today, Jason, about relationships, but everything about recovery, it, it takes longer than you want it to. Mm-hmm. It's harder than you want it to be. But the if you've got the patience and you get there, you get over these hurdles and you get to these these periods where things get better, it's way worth it. I, but I can remember, you know, in early sobriety reading about people talking about how, you know, just social media stuff, right? My life is so much better now that I don't drink alcohol. And I'd be like, really? <laughs> you know, I'm committed to this thing. Uh, I think it's good for my wife. It's good for mm-hmm. my kids. Um, I like that I don't have to deal with the depression. But it's 5 o'clock Friday night right now. <laughs> um, there'd be nothing better than a cold mm-hmm. beer right now. So, and you're trying to tell me that it's everything's better? Mm-hmm takes a long time to get there yeah I, i'm there now and I, but i still got a long way to go i don't mm-hmm. think i'm done but yeah it's better it's it's not just on average better it's it's all better now but a big part of that is that my wife came around mm. and she's fully on board and she knows i'm not going to drink anymore and uh so we've taken that energy we used to use on the addiction and, and focused it on our marriage and made things better mm-hmm What was it like at the beginning when you, you know, you said that Jess appreciated the fact that she could Mm -hmm. trust that you weren't drinking Mm -hmm. and driving or that you weren't going to be a jerk when you came home because you'd had too much to drink. But was there, did did she trust you right away or did it take a while for her to really feel like, okay, maybe he's not going to. And in fairness, she's in this field too, right? Yeah. She deals in addiction. Mm -hmm. so, So she probably knows knows what to expect a little more than maybe my wife did. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she knew that I had been wanting to quit for a while. You know, like I I know I've shared. I was like, hey, I'm sober, I'm done, I'm doing it. But then I'd drink and I'd, I'd feel like shit. And see, the thing about me, like my hangovers, a lot of depression and self loathing. And she was like, I don't want you to drink because I'm sick of you beating yourself up the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing. Yeah. And then this feel like utter crap, you know, kind of like where I was at. Like, I, I do feel, you know, like I said in the podcast, my rock bottom, rock bottom was my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, and I was really depressed when I stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't share this in the first episode, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't want to hang out with my friends anymore because they were all there. I was freaking miserable. Oh, yeah. It sucked so bad. And that's when I got into Zen practice. But I guess, like, I feel like I've been working on myself. Like, and this is the problem why it took me so long to quit. I thought I cured myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that is just, like, the my, my addict brain thinking everything is cool. But then when I drink, I, I can't drink, and they say, hey, like a gentleman. If, I, if I'm having a few drinks, then I'm full bore. 
So I guess like there, it didn't cause us the degree in in your relationship. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You it know, does. I I feel like it's something. God, I've I've been like struggling with for a while. For her, it was more of a relief. God, you don't have to beat yourself up anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I totally. She was like, I totally get this, that this part. Sick of of seeing that. Well, because she'd lose you. Mm-hmm. When you were drinking heavily, like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of mm-hmm. off doing his thing. And then she'd lose you the next day. Yeah. Because you're sure. going to mope around and be yeah. mad at yourself. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, sometimes their family should be giving those looks like, oh, you're still drinking, you know. Yeah. Or like, hey, maybe you should drink some water, Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, I guess like far as like global issues, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say like it, there wasn't that same degree of I don't know maybe resentment that she had around my drinking but again I could have been blind um, I think a lot of it was guy was something that I've been trying to do for a while does that make sense yeah it does mm-hmm yeah no I get it it's um there's so much to it man mm-hmm it's it's addiction is so hard on relationships and a lot of it you know one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I want I want people who haven't been through it to understand that it's not, God, it's not cut and dry. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, people think of an alcoholic as someone who just is a stumbling drunk mm-hmm. and screws all this stuff up and is really mean and that's the preconceived notion. So they also think, I think, that why marriages struggle when there's addiction involved is because the guy's a total, you know, whoever's drinking is a total jerk and they're, they're, you know, there's physical abuse mm-hmm. and there's all this just shouting and it's just, but it's so much more than that. There, the, both parties are often in denial and mm-hmm. and they know they're struggling and they know they're arguing and they know it's mm-hmm. not going well. But they might sometimes point to alcohol as the reason, but sometimes they point to other things as mm-hmm. the reason. They don't. They just don't realize that mm-hmm. um, until until the alcohol's out of the relationship. It's got no hope of getting better. Mm-hmm. And you try, and you try, and you mm-hmm. try. We're going to try to do this. Oh, I can remember Sherry and I saying, okay, we're only going to say nice things to each other. <laughs> if if you've got a problem with something yeah. I've done, yeah. you need to deal with that on your own. Okay. You're not going to talk to me about that. You're going to mm-hmm. say that. And I'm going to do the same thing. I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell you, oh, my God, what a disaster that plan mm-hmm. was, you know? Mm-hmm. Can't just push stuff down and never expect it to come back up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's just not. It's just not cutting dry. It's, it's just not. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not. Yeah, for it's sure. It's not what people think it is. And I agree. And you know, this is also a different dynamic. We talked about relationships, but it's you know, drinking it skews your relationship with yourself. Yeah. And since I'm sober, I have a much better relationship with myself. That is, I'm. I think I'm fairly honest. I'm able to sh- see some of my blind spots or my shortcomings. Shortcomings. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm, I'm able to accept it. Mm-hmm. I'm able to have more feedback. I'm able to accept feedback from my wife and not be super defensive. You know, and I think it just, alcohol has a better relationship with yourself. And I think that's what recovery is. I'm trying to live in truth. And that means I'm honest with myself. I'm honest with other people, how I, how I relate to other people. And I think that, in its very nature, helps the relationship. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So there's my plug for recovery. So for all the listeners out there, 
you know, the benefits take longer. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it takes longer to reap benefits of recovery. Alcohol is quick and easy. Yeah. I'm feeling like crud, drink. I'm going to feel good for three hours, but then I'm going to wake up the next day and feel even worse. <laughs> but that should be something that that should be something that everyone can relate to, whether yeah. they've had addiction in their life or not, because what's the what's the cliche, right? Good things come to those who wait mm-hmm. or whatever. Like yeah. anything worth doing mm-hmm. is hard work or whatever. The quick and easy fix is uh, seldom the mm-hmm. the lasting, you know, there's seldom lasting benefits from the quick mm-hmm. and easy fix. So yeah. Recovery is a bitch, but it's yeah, worth it. For sure. For sure. And it's never going to end, right? Yeah. I mean, it's 24-7. Yep. And just like working on the relationship, too. I mean, there's, there's always something I can do that could be proactive. Yeah. Um, I could bring flowers. Yeah. I can take care of myself so I'm more less likely to be an a-hole when I get home. Yeah. Right? Um, if I'm upset, I can say that to my partner. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're kind of like the, the same. There's a lot of simple analogies, I think, relationships and our relationship with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but I'm just thinking out the top of my head. No, I, it makes sense but, to me. Yeah. But I've been on the same path as you have. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the good news is uh, we've still got ways to go, right? But mm-hmm. we're, it's better. Mm-hmm. The relationship's better. Recovery's better. Mm-hmm. Might as well end on a rosy note, right, brother? End on a rosy note. And also, too, you know, doing this and this, the very act of talking to about this, we are having a relationship, right? Yeah. And being able to share this, it is enjoyable. And if we weren't both trying to be sober in recovery, hey, we wouldn't be talking right now. No. We'd be <laughs> drinking beers and talking about yeah. sports because that's, that's what guys do. Yeah, it's March Madness, right? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, cool. Well, good stuff, Matt. All right, man. Well, this is another good conversation. So for Jason Polk, I'm Matt Salis signing off from the Intoxicated Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you. Thank you.